Rag Dog Earthwits. My name is Connor, and welcome to another in our series of Space Spinner 2000 Collected Episodes. Our goal with these is to collect our coverage of 2080 thrills and storylines in one place, so you can easily listen to them in one go. They're great accompaniment to reading the 2080 collections that Rebellion publishes, or just hear us talk about the good stuff without being interrupted by the other stuff. It's crime time! Let's enjoy some light, breezy action with Jim DeGriz, the stainless steel rat! We'll be looking at three James Coburn-influenced series this episode, including the time the stainless steel rat saved the world and the time he ran for president. These adventures appeared in Progs 140 to 151, 166 to 177, and 393 to 404. Stainless Steel Rat is based on the novels by Harry Harrison and adapts to the comic page by former Tharg Kelvin Gosnell with art by King Carlos Escara. With lettering by Jack Potter and Pete Knight, the print edition is out of stock at the Rebellion store and it seems to be in short supply in other places, but the digital edition is, is very much available despite what I might say in the course of these collected episodes. The Stainless Steel Rat! I'm not sure how Thar got the idea to adapt some short, fun sci-fi novels into comics, but I think it very much works. The Stainless Steel Rat is a story of crime and adventure in the far future, starring the smoothest criminal of them all, James Bolivar de Grizz. He always has an answer to everything, at least until he gets drafted into the Special Corps and starts having to take down criminals instead of doing crimes himself. I mean, kinda, though he does do plenty of crimes while taking out criminals. <laughs> Add in a lovely wife and eventually teenaged sons, plus a dash of time travel and or political intrigue, you've got a perfect stew of thrill power. I read these books when I was a kid, so I have a lot of nostalgia for them, though I only have a real slight memory of what they're actually like. These days, I couldn't think of reading them without imagining DeGriz as a scare as James Coburn lookalike. So, hold on to your space wallet, and let's check out the Stainless Steel Rat! Episode 42. Progs 137 to 140. November 1979. Thrill 7, the Stainless Steel Rat! I like this a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just on. want you to know. So, script robot for Stainless Steel Rat is Kelvin Gosnell, the original Tharg. Art robot is Carlos Escara. Yeah. Lettering robot's Jack Potter. So, this is the second new thrill of this episode. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Stainless Steel Rat, actually. I, I, I read the books it's based on back when I was like a kid, basically. Really? This yeah. It's like if Bruce Banner were a supervillain. Mm-hmm. It's like it's this is the comic bookization of the novel of the same name. It's written by Rick Random Scribe Harry Harrison, which is sort of redeeming for him a little bit. Mm. And uh, also why that there's like less people speaking than there are fucking text boxes. Well, okay, but I mean that's a uh, a symptom of it being a book that's got a narration that's being put on the on the on the comic book page. You know, that is fair. I read every single one of those text boxes well, I, because I was yeah. actually engaged. Like, okay, so I I love this stain. I love this thrill, and here's the reason why. All right, I love the I like the books. Um, mm-hmm. I like sort of a fourth wall breaking um, first person narration. I think that that can be very fun and funny. I think um, so too. I love Carlos Escarra's art. Oh yeah, he's my favorite artist, and I love the actor James Coburn, who's a very fun guy. And <laughs> James DeGriz, the stainless steel rat, is specifically and definitely James Coburn. <laughs> <laughs> like Escara's literally said, like 
Coburn is his favorite actor, and so when he read the script for Stainless Steel Red, he's like, it has to be Coburn who I draw for this story. Hell yeah, man. You do, um, man. Yeah, it's 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 so cool. It's written really fun. Um, so yeah, especially when you consider that this book was written in like that the book it's based on is written in in, in 1961. Like it's sort of kind of loose, chatty, fourth wall breaking narration is really sort of ahead of its time. You know? Oh hell yeah! So the story starts with James Bolivar de Grizz, one of the few remaining criminal in a future thousands of years from now. He's like a mastermind, right? He's like yeah. the 1% of criminals. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, it's the far future, and it's basically a post-scarcity um, um, situation. Like, there's only, the only people who go to, who become criminals are the super smart people who just want to um, live life the easy way, but also sort of test their skill as criminals, essentially. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. 1% of the population would even think of turning to crime in this reality. Um, and Slippery Jim is awesome, crook. He's super smart. Um, he like if the the story basically starts with him getting caught and he and him going on the run. He runs past these this huge stack of gold bars he'd been stealing from a bank and disappears into the night on like a zip wire on monofilament rope. So great. Later, he steals the police evidence van full of stolen <laughs> gold, and then sort of causes chaos downtown and drives to a spaceport to basically have it be shipped all over the galaxy to launder the gold through multiple shipping services. Which is amazing. Like, he just gets away at every step up until a point. Yeah, he just knows what to do and has a plan for everything, and he's super smooth. Um, Yeah, it's going well, almost too well, when a black van full of troopers show up. The mysterious Special Corps. The secret intergalactic sp- uh, police force so sinister no one they've captured has ever been heard from again. It's a stainless steel rat trap. Uh, next episode, send a rat to catch a rat. And I should mention that sort of, like, the stainless steel rat is sort of a reference to DeGriz's theory that, like, sort of criminals are kind of rats. They're sort of living in the dark corners of society living off of what it produces and stuff as time goes by and you know buildings and stuff begin stop being built of like wood or things that a rat can live in the rats have to change too so in a world that's made of stainless steel you need a stainless steel rat dude it's awesome also in this in uh, Prague 140 there's a article by Harry Harrison explaining the genesis of the stainless steel rat but due to a printing error, it appears after the comic and this Prog's Wolfie Smith episode just sort of floating out in the middle of the page, I guess, um, which sort of lessens its effect. Uh, more on this error later. <laughs> <laughs> episode 43, Prog's 141 to 145, December 1979. Thrill 3, the stainless steel rat. What, really? We're just go. Oh, because he's in the no. I folded the other one. Yeah, Captain Clep uh, is in is oh in non thrills, which goes in the middle of the podcast, which is after oh, this thank one. Christ! All right, I I made some assumptions about lineup order here. Is this no, this is the scenes information. Yeah, this, is this is maybe something behind. we should. I should have told you before the show started. And it's just generally, get, no. This is this is better because if you keep it in, everyone's just going to think that I'm really smart. We'll do it live. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> sta- <laughs> stainless, awesome. stainless steel rat, script robots, Kelvin Gosnell, art robots, colors, Ascara, lettering robot is Jack Potter. Ooh, that stainless steel rat. 
So, so cool. Slippery Jim DeGriz is evading the jackbooted thugs of the special corp, but as he escapes, he suddenly, he sort of escapes into this room that's has an older gentleman in it who offers him a cigar. He explains that he's a rep for the special corps and he has an offer. Join or die. So, but, but he's like, hey, listen, have a cigar. DeGriz is like, why would I not take a cigar? Sits down and is like, oh, holy shit, you're my childhood hero. Yeah. You're this, like, super criminal. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I was that super criminal. And then I realized, like, oh, shit, I could do some really super criminal shit, but also for the government. Yeah, exactly. Send a, th- send a thief to catch a thief, you know? Yes, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the, he, he turns out to be a Harold Peters in skip. The greatest thief of all time, and basically Jim, uh, uh, Jim's childhood boyhood hero. So Jim, Jim agrees, and he's taken to the Corps' special base, where he is trained in using and given some sweet new uh, tech gear and stuff. Um, things are going pretty good, but his loner nature makes all the teamwork stuff related to the Corps sort of chafe him a little bit. Uh, do you really need it when you're the stainless steel rat? Exactly. Exactly. As Jim starts to go stir crazy, he makes a plan. He breaks into Inskip's office with some interesting info. Someone is building a Warlord class Empire battleship. What the fuck is a Warlord Empire class battleship, Conrad? It's a ship powerful enough to destroy the whole galaxy. It's a type unseen for over 5,000 years. Only Jim can find them and stop them before they start Galactic War 6. Jesus, that's pretty intense. How's he going to do it? Well, okay, so first we kind of learned that basically the galaxy has been at peace for like 5,000 years because they banned the production of massive warships. So, like, that means that, like, this takes place in like the year 7,000, which is pretty awesome if you think about it. I think that's pretty awesome. But so, Jim basically, so, so. These ships are super powerful. One being built on some random backwater is bad news. So Jim arrives on a badass mini warship claiming to be a rear admiral, Sir Thar Angelo. And he's here to inspect the spaceport and do other stuff. And I really love just how brusque he is. Like he just sort of shows up, claims a title and starts bossing people around at full speed, just like total con man style, basically. And everyone's like, oh shit, this guy's definitely Rear Admiral because he's a total dick. Yep. Jim and his, and his, and his, and his robot buddy M3 arrive at the planet's presidential palace, blast their way through in holes shaped exactly like their silhouettes because M3 is a jerk robot. And <laughs> I love M3. M3 they, is my favorite robot. And they start just hallucinogenic gassing everybody in sight so that they uh, start hallucinating and think that they're dogs. And they fully show man on hands and knees screaming arf arf at each other several times in this comic. Can't stress enough that they're definitely brainwashing these guys to think that they're dogs. (laughs) Read Prog 142 in a big way. You just see a guy. Uh, I'll send you the picture later, Conrad. I'll put it up. Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) They arrive um, at the president and they find out that while he's like ultra like corrupt and grifting and stuff you know as seems to be the case with presidents these days am i right uh but anyhow (laughs) jim isn't interested in his petty larceny he wants to know about the battleship but the president doesn't know anything about that he just thinks there's like oh some guy's building a freighter like who cares 
But <laughs> that means that instead of some warlord trying to take over, trying to build a ship, it's some independent operator. We got to do something. Oh, God, what are we going to do? I guess we're going to go check out the plans for the ship. That's right. Jim races to the spaceport to find the warship, um, where the port staff basically calmly explains it's just like a mining freighter and that the massive guns it's now firing at everybody are just sort of mining lasers. Eliminato. <laughs> <laughs> Jim and M3 give chase in a hover car and are nearly vaporized for their trouble. Soon afterwards, local law enforcement gets the information on the pair, on the, like the ship blueprints and the pair that made the ship, a guy named Pepe and his girlfriend. Soon afterwards. And oh, go mind ahead. Mind you, the, the stainless steel rat is like, ah, I don't care about all the information about them. I just want to see what they look like. Yeah. And <laughs> really, that's just a setup for a uh, weird looking guy. Eh, pretty hot chick. That's right. Soon afterwards, a Navy cruiser arrives and picks up Jim, and he's on the case. Oh, snap. What's he going to do? Well, first, they start getting reports that a plutonium tanker has been looted, and taken from it is enough fuel to make the, help the battleship go for five years. It's pretty clear that with his hyperspace-capable warship, they can't just chase after Pepe. They have to make him come to them, and Jim has just the plan. It'll be dangerous, but fun. <laughs> Mostly because you're going to be in a gold-plated spacecraft and pretend to be a billionaire. Exactly. Yeah, to catch Pepe Nero and his girlfriend Angelina, Jim DeGriz poses as a doddering old billionaire about to set out to the frontier aboard a golden ship called the El Dorado, full of the finest luxury stuff in the galaxy. And everyone back at base is like, what the hell do you need this for? And he's like, ah, they're going to want it. I know bad guys. Yeah, luckily the bait does work. This honeypot was too sweet to uh, keep Pep to, for Pepe to not attack them. And he's um, delicious. So as, um, as the warship docks with uh, the El Dorado, Jim jumps into action as recording plays. The recording basically says like, hey, if you try to board this ship or undock, the ship will explode and take us both with it. <laughs> and um, Pepe's like, uh, what the hell are you talking about? And then suddenly he shows up with a gun. Yeah, meanwhile, Jim sort of, t with the assistance of a welder bot, fights his, you know, sort of under sieges his way through the warship. Yes. <laughs> and once again gets the drop on Pepe and Angelina, like, you know, picking a gun on him, and they surrender. Oh, well, okay. So Pepe surrenders. Angelina, the the girl screams and runs out and gets in an escape pod and, and gets out of there. And uh, he's like, all right, she, I mean, she's a chick, so she can't be the bad guy, right? But this, this makes Pepe start to laugh uproariously. She was the brains behind the situation, a bloodthirsty mastermind out to rule the galaxy. Ah, oh, snap, like a bloodthirsty rat cornered. Yeah, Jim. crazy, a man-eating tiger. Jim saw her eyes just enough to know that she's an evil predator and that Pepe's right. He caught the crook. He's caught the crook and ended the threat of the battleship, but a new threat is out there. They search for the escape pod and find that it's been picked up by the Hood, a ship that hasn't been heard from in a quite a while. Uh-oh. In our final Stainless Steel Rat story, we flash to the hood where they picked up Angelina's escape pod. She's very grateful in a sexy, sexy way until she just stone-cold murders everybody aboard and steals the ship. Just so you know, the, the hood was a ship in World War II that 
kind of right. fired on the Bismarck and yeah. ended up ended up getting totally sunk. And Absolutely. Then, yeah, yeah, we got to sink the Bismarck, buddy. By all fucked up proverb. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Hood. Uh, I'm sure all of our English listeners know more about the hood than we ever could, because that's like, you know, what you learn about when you're a kid. <laughs> you know, I, I know about 10 seconds of information about the hood. Hey, if you know the hood, like, comment, subscribe to 2000 AD's premier podcast, Space Finner 2000. Tell your friends about it. So, uh, DeGriz wants to, so Jim DeGriz wants, uh, feels bad about Angelina being on the loose. And despite Inskip's attempt to reassure him, he wants to go after her. Meanwhile, we see that Pepe Nero has also been brought into the special core, but his brain has been heavily altered to remove the evil from it, basically lobotomizing him. Jim is determined to track down Angelina no matter what, even if it means breaking the law to do it. I mean, to be honest, especially if it means breaking the law to do it. <laughs> um, with a sturdy judo chop, he steals a sweet special core starship, disables the auto-destruct, and heads out to on his own to find Angelina, and then, I don't know, turn her in? Join her? Next time, back in the old routine. He doesn't know. What's he going to do? Well, I think it's interesting because it's like, you know, it's it's sort of re- referring to the fact that, like, you know, he's well, he's only been a star cop for like three weeks. You know, <laughs> like and there's no reason why he tried to blow him up, even yeah. though they were like, "We're hiring you because you're a really good thief, crime yeah. man." No, there's definitely no reason for him to be all I am the law at this point. So it's interesting to yeah. sort of keep his like, you know, outlaw nature there. Man, I really love this stainless steel rat stuff. It goes so fast in just comparison to everything else we read. Even for stuff that's like, you know, we're going to tell a story in two weeks or something like that. The speed at which everything happens in this comic is amazing. Well, we're talking about like five pages that feels a lot more like invasion than anything else we've seen for a long time. It's definitely just like, we got to get going. All right. You know, there's a, there's a big action scene, every comic, um, and it's just sort of moving from one plot point to the next. It's a, it goes at a breakneck pace, and I think it's really fun for doing that, you know? Well, I definitely think so. I mean, at least it's funny. It has, like, a yeah. lot of good humor, but that humor lasts for about, I don't know, two to three slides worth of a half panel before yeah. there's actual shit going on, and then suddenly he's in space judo chopping a motherfucker in order to catch a weird woman it's definitely an awesome yeah it's definitely a great mix of that humor and that action for sure episode 45 progs 146 to 149 january 1980 thrill three stainless steel rat i was looking forward to this man gotta say I'm loving this series. Oh, yeah. Script robots, Kelvin Gosnell. Art robots, Carlos Escara. Lettering robot is Jack Potter. So, uh, Slippery Jim DeGriz has, uh, lands his stolen special core ship under a lake on the planet Freeber, where Angelina was last spotted. He's hot on the trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After hitching a ride with some dude named Gug with a sweet barge and excellent hooch, Jim makes his way into the big city of Freebur, where he realizes he has no money and no place to stay. But wait. And he's just sitting on a bench like, oh, man, like, what am I going to do? Then he remembers that he's actually an intergalactic criminal. Hey, all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> after work out. Yeah, after taking a minute to do some crimes like littering on a no litter sign and stamping on the grass in front of us, keep off the grass sign. <laughs> Jim heads to the First National Bank of Freeburg and immediately heists it using an exploding coin and some well-placed smoke bombs. Luckily, which gotta say, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, he kind of like like, hey, give me change for this coin, and they put the coin in the machine to like check its for its um it's a veracity and then that coin blows up um luckily all banks five thousand years from now just all happen to have huge piles of gold bars stacked up in their vaults Um, which you just pluck right out of there get on out listen digital or computer banking no way so, oh man, not when there's gold bars to be stacked. Mm-mm. Flush with cash, Jim heads out on the town where a at a spacer bar he meets a lady. Oh, it's Angelina! But has he found her or has she found him? Ooh. Yeah, Angelina and Jim walk out of the bar and she leads him to a dark alley with promises of a zero-G disco. Instead, all she's got is hot lead. <laughs> For... <laughs> Four shots to the chest and one to the face. Jim wakes up Sexy. in an ambulance. Yeah, where yeah, shots, shots, shots. Where it's revealed that his body armor took most of the damage and his arm deflected the headshot. Which, uh, hey, good news, you're not dead. Bad news, you gotta heal. You know, Jim quickly tricks the medical order- orderly bot to fake his own death and escapes Which the hospital. Which awesome. Yeah. He basically convinces a robot, like, of course corpses can talk stupid. Yeah, He's like, listen, like, I'm dead, I'm just gonna go. The robot's like, you aren't dead, like it says here on your chart. He's like, look, give me that chart. He writes deceased on the chart. And then when the robot's like, I don't think you're dead, he's like, oh, what, you're gonna argue with a corpse? Get out of here, you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> Come on, dude. You don't know my biz. Luckily, the robots are really dumb robots, so it goes along. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Jim escapes back to his hotel. Back there, he spends a couple days healing and planning his next move. He realizes the problem is that he's a killer. Or, sorry, that he's a thief, not a killer. And so he can't figure out what Angelina's next move is. There's only one thing to do, and that's become totally and completely insane and a kill-crazy murderer. Uh, to do that for a day, uh, if he does that for a day, he'll be ready to beat Angelina. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, next up, Slippery Jim rolls into the bar and just kicks the shit out of everybody. <laughs> um, Which, like, what? He basically starts a fight and then beats up the entire bar. <laughs> this bout of violence is brought on by an anger potion of some sort, which he quickly disposes of, because now he knows how Angelina thinks. She's gonna. I, this was the weakest part of this, I think. Still fine. Just like, so he drank some things and beat the shit out of people. I love the cliffhanger of I've got to become completely insane. I don't actually like how he actually accomplished that. But, you know. No. Here we are, sort of. He he realizes that Angeline is going to try to take over the planet to make it the base of her new galactic conquest. And the king is her target, so it's time for Jim to join the nobility. He shows up at Freeber's court with black hair and a sweet mustache, claiming to be the long-lost Lord Grav Bent. He blasts... Yeah. Truth. It's cool, man. He blasts through a wall and immediately demands to enter the hover joust. And this is just another one of these, like like with the uh, with the being an admiral, I think, last episode. Um, you can I just, just do it by... 
by pretending to be a huge dick. Yeah, he just kind of is a dick, like just doesn't stop for anybody to, an- you know, doesn't answer any questions, just acts like he's supposed to be there and just is a total con artist stuff and it works perfectly. It's pretty um, great. As he joins the hover joust, he uses advanced starship piloting techniques to win all the matches, like flying upside down and stuff like that. Then, at the victory condition, he freaks out, insults the king, and is taken off to jail. Luckily, this is all going to plan. (laughs) Oh my god. That night, Jim Asgrav Bent is sprung from prison by the Resistance, where he's taken to meet the leader, Lord Riddendrunt, who's nominally the leader of of the Resistance, with the real leader being Lady Angela, which is obviously Angelina. Uh, and she is not creative with her new names. No, but she just... is totally cute with that bobcat and space outfit. Yo, like the the the, the thing about the way Carlos Escara draws is that everybody kind of has this look. But like Angelina is like is like is like surprisingly like attractive for sort of someone who's in this kind of Escara vision, I guess. Like, it's not the first, like, I, I love his art style, but I don't know if it's the first one I'd go to for sort of sexy ladies, I guess. <laughs> if that makes there. sense. I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. It's not really a put down. It's more sort of an observation is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. that night, uh, Jim does some space reconnaissance. He, he finds, like, inside the rebel base, there's a squad of a, of a attack craft, atomic howitzer, and even underground laser tanks. <laughs> he, he also finds that all of the guards are dead and an assassin is slipping into Angelina's room to kill her. Oh, snap. What's he going to do? Yeah, well, Jim isn't sure what he wants to do with Angelina, but he definitely doesn't want someone else to kill her. So he repels in after the assassin. Next episode, start the revolution without me. Oh, I continue to have a lot of fun with Stainless Steel Rat, man. I just like, I love the character and how everything goes so quickly and just like... There's just a lot of action and humor sort of mixed together that's really neat. This may be my one of my favorite comics to ever come out of this. Like, yeah, it, it's book. cool. Yeah, I think there's collected editions out there somewhere that like I think there's one for this one and then and then and they they they, they do two more of these sort of over the years. Um mm. They're good. Both, you know, the comic book versions are good. The books are actually pretty good. Um, well, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's yeah. actually getting me interested in reading the book. Period. Yeah, like the book like, is, from what I recall, the book's very similar in sort of tone to the narration and stuff like that in here. So you know, like I don't know, like I w- I've be- I've been a big Harry Harrison fan, especially when I was like sort of um, younger and really. Re- recommend his stuff if you kind of want some fun sort of classic science fiction things there's like 12 of these stainless steel rat books too oh that's <laughs> like, awesome so i've got plenty to like kind of peel through i don't absolutely. know i think you're right the character is really like just generally fun but the universe that's built around it is um like just really addicting and how he just does stuff and and it's never taking itself too seriously it's yeah. like it's pretty comedic in a lot of the things that he does. I don't think that there's like a single page that goes by. Yeah, no, it's not like a funny. Yeah, it's it's not like a very grim story or anything like that. Yeah, I I just like I love I love stories about characters who are really capable and really kind of know exactly what they're doing and stuff like that. And and Jim DeGriz is a really great example of that kind of character. As as opposed to, for instance, Mach One 
who is just really good at stuff because he's just really good at stuff. Yeah, like like Jim, it feels like always has a plan, whereas Mach One always has a power. If that makes sense, you know. Yes, <laughs> it's Superman. Yeah, Ex- yeah, exactly. Episode forty-six, Progs one hundred and fifty to one hundred and fifty-three, February nineteen eighty. Thrill three, the stainless steel rat. Hey, watch out! Somehow, by looking at a knife, you know that there's nerve poison. You can tell. Uh, script robot for stainless steel rat is Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot is Carlos Escara. Lettering robots Jack Potter. So. Uh, slippery Jim Degrees is fighting this assassin that was threatening Angelina. He kicks him off the side of the tower. They're two and a half kilometers up, so he's going to be falling for a while. Um, mm-hmm. He then enters her room to tell her what's up. She assumes the killer was probably from the Count, like the leader of the revolution that they're both in. Trying to she steal. comes out in sexy lingerie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just... Like, yeah, she's just chilling. She was just chilling in her sexy lingerie, dude. Um... Yeah, that's what people do, right? I mean, you know, based on her backstory, maybe. Um, but so there's, there's only one thing to do, and that's start the revolution right now. So after some more sexy clothes changing, Jim and Angelina head down to the mole tanks <laughs> as the attack planes and howitzers of the revolution roll out. Uh, Slippery Jim convinces Angelina not to kill the Count, and the mole tank fires its lasers and heads underground. It's pretty cool. It's got, like, these little legs that let it, like, stand up and then shoot the ground like, a 45-degree angle and then jump into it and jump jump into the resulting hole and stuff. It's kind of (laughs) neat. And the legs are a little weird to me, but I really love the face lasers yeah totally so as they travel jim asks angelina something uh she he kind of says there's something odd about the autopilot she pulls a gun on him she knows he's he's slippery jim here to stop her but instead she's gonna stop him oh no what's he gonna do we jump in the next prog we jump to at like the big color splash page we're on the surface and it's all out stainless steel war it's pretty cool Carlos Escara is a badass artist. That's all I've got to say. Is these tanks are crawling out of the ground, zapping other tanks with lasers. Like seventy nine and eighty have really been banner years for Carlos Escara in these sort of center page uh, 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 strips, both for like Strontium Dog and the work he did on ABC Warriors and this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Angel- underground, Angelina starts monologuing prior to killing Jim. We learn that she used to be super ugly and turned to crime to become to like get surgeries to become more beautiful. Um, and now she's um, out for revenge for the norms that treated her bad when she was ugly. So, you know, maybe she just like is in love with her new um, figure, so she could be wearing sexy lingerie for herself, just looking in the mirror or something. I could see it. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> Before she can pull the trigger to kill Jim, we see a fleet of Special Corps ships attacking Angelina's army, taking it out. The war is over. This also oh. serves as, an, as a distraction to allow Jim to attack Angelina, and they scuffle until Inskip and some other Special Corps guys burst into the mole tank and trank gun them both. I um, love the, the the shot of him getting tranked. It's like this weird... Like uh, like circular resonant thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of 
Yeah, I also like very, yeah, very 1970s. Totally. When they burst in, like the uh, one of the goons is like, "Hey, which one do I shoot?" And Anscape's like, "Shoot them both. Fire at random," which I think is like a funny thing to say. Um, yeah, dude. So Jim wakes up at Special Corps HQ. Uh, Inskip explains that they had a tracer in him the whole time. That actually, like all that self-destruct stuff and things, were just to let him think he was on his own, so he could operate freely and stuff. So it's sort of a mm-hmm. test, almost. Uh, Jim asks about Angelina, worried that she's been lobotomized, but she shows up and she's actually like pretty nice. She's had the the evil removed, and while she's still got her full mental function, she has lost her memory. Uh, so she was lobotomized. Yeah, but not like you know, because like her partner on the space on the battleship thing, like was lobotomized to like sort of a a like basically Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or something like that. And she's yeah. must just sort of lost her memory, which is not that bad, I think. Uh, the two of them sort of instantly hit it off and sort of walk away as Inskimp and another goon look on. But a few weeks later, Inskip is pissed as Angelina and Jim have eloped, stolen his personal ship, <laughs> and are basically just setting off to do some awesome future crimes on their honeymoon. <laughs> Dude, I the way that this ends feels like a movie. Like, totally, this yeah. whole thing could have been a movie, and it's, like, I remember when we started this, you said, like, you know... You really enjoyed the books. They obviously chose like the main mm-hmm. character from the specific actor. Like, yeah, James this Coburn would have been a pretty fucking decent movie. Yeah, like just a like a big um sort of like heist con man movie with a lot of special effects and stuff. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. They sort back of, when people used to laugh into the sunset and the movie yeah. would be over and that's fine. Yeah, or just like you know these these two got married and that's you know you sort of drive off into the sun. They're driving off into the sunset in a stolen space space cruiser with like cans tied onto the back and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's so you know. There's, they, they sort of wonder idly if Inskip will be pissed. They, uh, you know, it's assumed he will be, uh, but if, you know, they'll, they'll just let him go because it doesn't really matter. And you know, if they need them for a job, he'll just rearrest them. Good times. Um, <laughs> easy peasy, lemon yeah. squeezy. Yeah, Jim DeGriz and An- Jim and Angelina DeGriz will return uh, in June of 1980 in the Stainless Steel Rat Saves the World. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so pretty soon. I really like this. Yeah, so, you know, a couple months. Be right back with you. Episode 49. Progs 163 to 167. May, June, and July 1980. Thrill 6. The stainless steel rat saves the world. He's back, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. I no, really that's... like the stainless steel rat. Yeah, man. man. <laughs> Script robots, Kelvin Gosnell. Art robots, Colors of Scare. Letting robot, Pete Knight. Yeah, I should say also, an interesting thing of the book is, like, the stainless steel rat often takes the first um, uh, thrill in the, in the comic. It's because, like, having this adaption of this, like, sort of well-known science fiction story was really seen as seen as a prestige thing, you know? Like... yeah. McManus actually talks a lot in his. Sorry, I've 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 just been reading this book a lot. Um, Dude, yeah, no, like <laughs> and, knowledge bomb. Yeah, man. and he talks a lot about how sort of these stainless steel rat adaptions did a lot to make 2000 AD appear like serious or like respectable in the eyes of like the brass at IPC. I guess 
Like Dang, that's really cool. He's always talking about like how you know trying to be taken seriously in the work they do. Like even though they're like selling a ton, like the the management's like, oh yes, those two thousand AD boys, they don't know what they're talking about, you know. And so this was something to kind of be like, hey, like we got this like big sci-fi author to let his work be adapted in our comic and so and, and that sort of answers actually my question when we were doing the first round of 2080s and why he was on the cover so much where they were just really wanted to make a big deal about it and like sort of be like yeah. hey like you know here's this actual like piece of sci-fi literature that we're adapting in our comic book you know all of that and they do a fucking awesome job well uh, yeah so-, so that's why they definitely put their do their best in making it super duper awesome <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, any time mascara is drawing something, I'm just really happy. It's super smooth, dude. Yeah. So, Slippery Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we open with Jim getting chewed out by the special core boss, Inskip. But then suddenly Inskip dissolves and disappears. Whoa. Which, what the hell? Just super action, suddenly. A ton of goons barge into the office and they try to grab Jim, but several of them disappear as well as Jim gets, like, blackjacked and knocked out and stuff. Just like, it's not starting well for old... No. For old DeGrish. <laughs> yeah. He wakes up in this lab where Professor Koipu basically gives him the details. They've both been, like, they both have these time fixators on, which contain memory boxes that will protect them, but someone is messing with the past. They're killing people's ancestors uh, who are members of Special Corps, which is making them disappear from the timeline. Whoa! I mean, you really just have to do, like, go, what is it, like... Is it ten or forty generations? In the you go past? back far enough, you can ending. take out a lot of people with just one kill, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like forty. Yeah. We're we're all brothers and sisters by forty generations or yeah. some crap. It's nuts. Yeah. So they're going back pretty far. <laughs> yeah. So Jim volunteers to go back and stop this thing until it's revealed that it's a one-way trip. Jim can't go then. He's got responsibilities, and in fact, he calls those responsibilities up. His wife Angelina and there's twin sons james and bolivar who both suddenly disappear because their ancestors have been killed no no. okay i guess nothing left to lose now time Time to circle absolutely jim agrees to go back but only if he can take professor koipu's memory box with him so that maybe he can use koipu's memories to then build a time machine in the past and go and get back to the future which yeah, he's like, but then I'll only live for like seven minutes. And he's like, uh, dude, I don't give a fuck. Man, so. yeah, well, plus, like, it's a time deal, dude. If he fixes it, then none of this will happen in the first place. So, yeah, everything will be fine. <laughs> Jim jumps through the time helix to save the future by going to the past. Isn't that always how it works? Mm hmm. After some crazy, sci- uh, like time travel action, Jim arrives in the 20th century Earth, which we learn is like 30,000 years in the past. The stainless steel rat takes place so far in the future, dude. <laughs> dude, like really far. I, I love when he like, okay, so he passes by a helicopter and the dudes are like, oh, what the hell is that? Well, we can't tell anyone what we saw because we've been drinking and yeah. we don't want to get in trouble. He gets into a fight with a motorcycle guy, right? And almost gets yeah. hit. But it's how he talks to him after that. Like <laughs> Definitely. He talks he basically talks to him like uh like you would talk to a stereotypical caveman, like me Jim, where money. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's really 
Oh, God, it's just so good. Anyway, he beats the shit out of a biker, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, as we learned from the Terminator films, all time travelers have to deal with bikers within the first five minutes oh of arriving in the past. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Freak out, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> Has everyone just read 2000 AD? Was I, feel, I just, like patently unaware of this? I think it's just trend? just English nerds, you know. God. But I've so <laughs> Jim realizes he's going to need some local currency to figure things out here in the past. So it's time for the usual stainless steel rat thing where you just immediately rob a bank. So yeah, and he's like, "Oh, the guy's like, where do they keep all the money?" They're like in banks, and he's like, "Oh, shit, I know those." <laughs> yeah, I can rob banks. No matter what year it is, <laughs> we also I don't I don't see where, but we learned that this big bad guy is called He, the man who could destroy the future. Oh, really? So that's the name of the bad guy, He. <laughs> Anyhow, stay tuned for Stainless Steel Rat next episode, busted by the boys in blue. It's kind of a hardcore name, He. It's true, but yeah, man, Stainless Steel Rat just comes in and does his Stainless Steel Rat thing. We're just you know. The pedals to the metal, just everything goes super fast. He's always got a plan. He's always got the next move, like pl- like figured out and stuff. Fuck yeah, buddy! That's God. I love the stainless steel rat. I love. I. I mean, he hasn't really done any fourth wall breaking yet. I mean, he will. I mean, I'm sure. He's just yeah. He's just kind of done some. I mean, you know, he's narrating the whole thing, so it's sort of. He's not quite a. You know, he's not establishing things that, that, that much at this point. But he kind of talks like breaks a little bit when he talks about like how time traveling actually really hurts, and you like see the whole of creation when you time travel and stuff. Which so is still, a little still some of that. intense. <laughs> yeah, it definitely makes it. It's not just like pulling some switches on the TARDIS. You know, it's definitely like an experience for you. You know. Well, that was, like, the cool opening, like, image was just him, like, holy crap. Yeah, just uh, seeing the the, uh, the the wet, the the width and breadth of the galaxy as he travels through time. And then just being like, oh, I'm fine. I mean, it hurt. Yeah, I'm, I'm back at it. Whatever. <laughs> Episode 51. Progs 168 to 172. July and August 1980. 301, the stainless steel rat. So, uh, script robots, Kelvin Gosnell, art robot, Carlos Escara, lettering robot, Pete Knight. Once again, we're back into the time warp. Yeah, gonna go back in time. So, uh, (laughs) Slippery Jim DeGriz is in 1980. He's on the track of He, a uh, mysterious time-traveling evil genius kind of guy. Weird name for a dude, but all right. I mean, you know, it's the most generic name for a dude. Um, <laughs> but to get things set up in the past, Jim and his, his uh, partner, Slasher, a local motorcycle punk, are uh, robbing a bank. Uh, motorcycle punk and uh, fascist supporter. I mean, the 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 two cross over pretty heavily, and especially in like your 1980s motorcycle punks. But all um, I'm saying is there are patches on his butt pockets that are definitely swastikas. Totally, yeah. So robbing the bank's pretty easy with a uh, 300th century technology that um, <laughs> Jim Jim DeGriz. Yeah, he's got sonic lock picks. He's got echo sounders that erase walls, stuff like that. Until, of course, Slasher tries to jimmy open some safe deposit boxes, which sets off a silent alarm. And then he ditches Jim and takes the getaway car with him. 
But luckily, Jim DeGriz is kind of awesome and I guess just lies his way through everything. He knows what he's doing, dude. Yeah, he uh, he goes on the run. He takes down a, down the police officers that chase him. He puts on one of the officers' uh, uh, uniform. And then he tries to escape low-key in a cop car. But after some uncareful driving... He ends up leading the local the local law enforcement um, on a high speed chase through city streets, eventually leading to a multi car pileup as he disappears into the night. Several bags of cash richer. It's very uh, Blues Brothers, actually. It's, it was kind of awesome. Yeah, it's just huge, like you know, sort of mid century sedans blasting through city streets, flying all over the place and stuff. Putting him in the past is, like, a really awesome idea. I just like how he just um, outclasses... Like, even in the future, he was outclassing everybody. But here, it's just like, listen, I can handle these monkeys, these primitive apes, you know? <laughs> so back at his hideout, Jim is getting readings on his time energy detector, and the hunt is on! So we flash to the uh, IPC America offices in New York City, which uh, may or may not <laughs> exist. Um, <laughs> Where Jim prepares to confront he. But as he does, a ton of goons attack and subdue him, and we're finally confronted by he himself. And he's kind of a lizardy human looking dude. Yeah, he's got big like a face. Yeah, he's got a big he's got like long hair that's like skunk hair, that's like black on the sides <laughs> and white in the middle. It's true. Yeah. He says he'll win the future by destroying all of North America in the past. Which I mean like, you don't have to destroy all of North America in the past to really fuck things up, as far as I could tell. It would mess things up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, in a really, really intense way, I guess. Hey, he doesn't... Like, you could just kill a guy. Nah, he doesn't... He he only believes in big gestures. <laughs> um, the uh, He's goons show Jim their time helix and this bomb that has... That's, that's uh, got two billion megatons in strength... And then they toss Jim on a table and strap him down and just kind of leave him alone, classic Jim <laughs> style. It's like such a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, slippery Jim crunches on a false tooth. It's the Berserker Tooth! Oh my god, he's on drugs. Yeah, he gets super fast, super strong, super angry, mostly monosyllabic. He smashes through the building to find he... The two of them brawl around and Jim struggles mentally with killing he until the madman makes a dash for the time helix and Jim shoots him as he goes. Jim, so he's probably dead, right? Yeah, well, Jim. To check it out. Nah, Jim hits he and assumes that no matter where he goes, that, that, that the hit from that bullet will kill him. So now it's time to build his own time helix and head home. So, to build his own time helix, Jim's going to need a ton of money, and the best way to get it is to rob a Navy payroll for a million bucks, I guess. Which, like, of all the places, I think they just really wanted to dress him up in an army suit, have I, some cool copter shit. Yeah, it definitely feels like some of the uh, art here is, if not actual just tracing something is definitely photo referenced by some production films of like midway or some other kind of movie where james coburn wears a uh wears a, wears a uh, military uniform as like an actor you know man i've got it like that actually makes a lot of sense like it really looks a lot like his character in midway <laughs> this setup and stuff so um yeah so things are going good with the heist of the navy um yard <laughs> until <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> the actual Navy cops show up. Surprise! <laughs> yeah. You were blowing up our building. 
So Jim's surrounded. He has got to lay down some diversions. He steals a helicopter and then ditches it over the ocean to cover his tracks. Uh, and he does not know how to fly a helicopter. He's like, he's like taking it off, and then it like he's trying to get it out of the thing, but it flips upside down, and then somehow he gets it out. It's I mean, really he bizarre. he fakes it pretty well, dude. I've I've flipped a helicopter so many times in like Battlefield, and that just means you die instantly. That <laughs> I got to appreciate his ability to keep it going. Um, Fair. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, Jim assumes that since the cop shows up to his bank robbery, that he must still be alive and has tipped them off, and thus is still alive. Which means instead right. of traveling home, <laughs> definitely can't be because he made some kind of mistake. No, of course not. So, um, instead of traveling home, Jim has to follow he and settle his hash. So, after about a month of getting things set up, Jim manages to uh, get all the materials he should need to build a time helix and sort of a fake um, job of owning some random, like, junk shop, basically. Wizard Electronics. Exactly. He, um, so, if he, now that he's ready, he downloads the recording of Professor Koipu's memory into his head to help him build the helix and track he. It works pretty well, actually. <laughs> um like within the space of a panel or so the helix is built and we learn that he is currently in london sometime around 1805 to 1807 so jim's off even further into the past to save the world once more note that taking just, out the bomb earlier was the first world saving that we saw <laughs> i just <laughs> that's actually true yeah i just want to say that like i know it to like maybe this weird future scientist guy, like a range of years is like an okay thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if I was trying to like fix a bunch of shit, I wouldn't want to just like show up at like, you know, 1801 or what the fuck ever and just have to wait three years. <laughs> it's true. It sounds horrible. <laughs> well, you know, you can live it up. I don't know. There's cool stuff to do in 1801 London, I guess. Get diseases, I guess. Man, you're going to get diseases no matter where you go, buddy. That I know. That's one, true. I know history. Two, I know you. Anyhow. <laughs> Slippery Jim arrives in London in 1807, and it's time to relax and chill the Napoleonic England. Oh, no shit, tank attack! Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> the, the goddamn French have conquered England thanks to their fleets of airplanes and tanks presumably brought to them by he through the same through his uh, time helix and as he peers through binoculars he totally confirms that yeah yeah we see he getting out of a jet fighter outside a conquered saint paul's cathedral um jim steals a french officer's outfit because there's one thing slippery jim knows is that you got to beat somebody up and steal their clothes <laughs> okay. Good thing they always fit, you know? Yeah. He tries to infiltrate through London Bridge, but realizes that they're screening people with a Geiger counter to enter the city proper, and his futuristic body is way more radioactive than these mindless primitives. So, cool. <laughs> rather than be caught, Jim jumps off the bridge into the Thames, eventually emerging in Wapping, where he has a gun pulled on him from an off-screen hand. Don't move, scum! I was really hoping that this would be Professor Moriarty, because he's dressed like Moriarty, but it wasn't. They got really sad. Moriarty's like a hundred years later, like real talk. I know. 
Uh, the, the gun guy leads Jim to a carriage and starts talking about not needing a gun anymore. He introduces himself as Count de Hezion, a French royalist who wants to take down Napoleon and his pet he and the unnatural weapon that he has brought with him. The Count identifies Jim as also wanting this, and they agree to team up. The next day, De Grizz leads De Hezion's men on an assault of a French gun barge, and then use the captured 88mm flak gun <laughs> to destroy a span of London Bridge. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just gotta get what looks like a small little dingy boat with a giant cannon strapped to it. <laughs> hey man, that's how it works. Bridge. Yeah. A Harrier jet flies out in response, but Jim is ready with a musket that he's converted into a missile launcher there you go i guess yeah in the confusion jim slips into saint paul's the gun on the guards unaware that he is a walking arsenal set to take down he next episode the rat bites so pretty good he blew up a lot of things and stole a lot of money yeah, a lot of, a lot of action this episode. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of crimes, which I always appreciate. I, I worry sometimes that these stain, like, when they do stories like this, you sort of start off with a thief and stuff that maybe halfway through just turns into an action story and the thief character stops doing crimes. So I appreciate the continued crime action by <laughs> the stainless steel rat. Well, especially because like, all right, look, they can hand wave it and just be like, he's the most amazing criminal, blah, blah, blah. But. Yeah. You know, you still want to see him do some crime, steal some money, Definitely. hire a, a weird Nazi thug to help him do it, which wasn't the greatest idea, but, you know, it worked out. I mean, listen, don't romanticize these motorcycle thugs too much, Fox. That's some, That's all I'm trying to tell you. Episode 52, Progs 173 to 177, August and September 1980. Thrill 1, the stainless steel rat saves the world. So, our uh, script robot is Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot is Carlos Escara. Lettering robot, Pete Knight. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, we start with a slippery Jim DeGriz entering St. Paul's Cathedral in the year 1807, where uh, Napoleon is meeting with his generals, but Jim isn't interested in the hated Corsican. Instead, he wants he, the time-traveling supervillain. Oh. All the while struggling with the idea that he's about to kill a man in cold blood. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he sort of struggles so much with this, with the uh, morality of taking down a uh, temporal assassin that's killed everyone he knows and loves, you know? Um, oh, he sticks to his guns, man. He's a thief with a heart of gold. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so things are... Uh, I, I would also say that, like, things in this story are about to get weird and, like, time traveling. <laughs> So, everybody, please just bear with us. There's some stuff. So, anyhow. um, Gas Napoleon, move on to the throne room. Yeah, he's he's sleeping gas as the French generals and calls he out. And when he he shows up, Jim shoots him with a thermite dum-dum round. He thinks he's won when suddenly Napoleon shows up behind him and explains that old Boney is actually he in disguise. And then he hits Jim with a sleeping dart and chains him up. I mean, like, he has this opportunity to stop all of these things. And this is such a a double super bad guy thing. It's just like, let me press this little button, shoot you with a nap time dart. Wait, 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 wait. He has a chance to stop all these things, meeting Jim DeGriz or meeting the villain he? Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) 
you gotta be careful. I mean, Jim, Jim DeGriz clearly <laughs> wanted to put a period at the end of this statement mm-hmm. by loading in what are thermite dum dum bullets. Yeah. I think so, it's just that you gotta wait for Napoleon to reveal himself because you can't just shoot him because that would really mess up time if Napoleon died in 1807. Uh, Dude, it, it would. Although I guess it wouldn't mess up time. Although I guess once Napoleon's already conquered England with tanks and jets, you know, you're so. Just, at, at that point, all bets are off, I guess. I feel like he's kind of got a blank check, but mm-hmm. whatever. No, you're right. Um, anyhow, we once Jim comes to, he's chained up. And we learned that he shot Jim, or sorry, the he that Jim shot was actually a robot, and that he had swapped minds with Napoleon to draw Jim out. But, but also this whole world was just a fake world designed to trap Jim, and now that Jim's chained up, he will just allow the world to fade away into nothingness, so peace out. Luckily, there's a salt shaker on the floor. Yeah, so as as he activates his time helix, <laughs> Jim kicks a, a, a sand shaker, I think, it act, whatever, some kind of thing, into the controls, sending he to parts unknown. Uh, either way, Jim's stuck in a dissolving reality, and uh, he, I mean Jim, resol- resigns himself to his fate. <laughs> And nothing worse than a dissolving reality. I mean, really. Definitely a bottom three things to happen to your reality. (laughs) Um, But Jim's resolved until Angelina shows up. Woo! She's looking hot in her weird helmet. She's got a crazy, um, like, really neck protectory um, future armor helm, future armor getup. Because nothing's worse than getting stabbed in the back of the neck when you're traveling through time. I mean, that feels accurate. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's out there. Yeah. So Angelina explains that it was actually Jim that dissolved during the time war. And she's been hunting for him through time ever since. But not before she could just basically tell him, quit your bitching. Yeah. You know. Angelina's very brusque and doesn't care about the details of this time stuff, which I feel like is a good attitude. Um, <laughs> anyhow, they all have to go t- uh, 20,000 years into the future to take out he once and for all. They arrive in midair above future Earth and Jim's grav shoot on his arm, on, on his space armor doesn't work. So he falls in the future mud and then gets attacked by a future giant snake. Set blasters to flesh. I, that was like my favorite thing because she was like, "Oh, I don't think that's a tree at all." Thoughtful face. It's a living nightmare. It's like I would be freaked out the minute that I knew that. I'd be like, "Get off that giant fucking snake!" Yeah. Well, you but know, no, let's take let's take this fucking slow and and deliver it. I well, they, guess it, they, they managed to take it out as soon as they set blasters to flesh. So it's, it's sort of you know. <laughs> You can Which be, is pretty good. Yeah, you can be lackadaisical about creeping horrors if you're just going to be able to kill them instantly, I guess. Yeah, all right. You, you, you got rem- yeah. to remember that the DeGrizzes are on God mode basically at all times. So, like, <laughs> they can sort of they can sort of breeze through certain challenges that might have others, like, in, a, in, in you know, in trouble, basically. Thank God for flesh setting. It's true. Um, so while recovering from fighting that monster, the pair are accosted by a bunch of weird talking thugs, which Angelita quickly takes out with karate chops and quit and kicks. So don't uh, count her out. But anyhow, <laughs> it's time to take on he. Hopefully, third time's the charm. Well, <laughs> yeah. 
Outside He's Castle, Jim and Angelita try to decide their next move when they're accosted by a bearded Drax the Destroyer kind of guy. His race has no sense of humor. Um, so they try to tell him a fib and he's like, fuck right off. Who are you? Yeah. So instead, Jim just tells the truth. Like, dude, we're we're from the future. We're going to do stuff. And he's like, oh, you guys, are the time travelers, like thousands of these audio messages have been dropping from the sky for the last <laughs> like week. Like, you want to listen to this? <laughs> and so as Jim keeps talking to this weird dude, Angelina does the yeoman's work and actually like listens to the recording while he gets a life story. Well, yeah, he he's getting vi- he's doing vital ex- exposition duties as he talks to the beard guy, aka Dian. And mm-hmm. so apparently in the future, the polar ice caps melt and Earth is mostly abandoned for Mars. Um <laughs> Second time disastrous polar ice cap <laughs> meltings have appeared on this 2000 AD. <laughs> oh God! And he had long. The the few remaining humans on Earth fought each other savagely. With he rising to the top of the heap, uh, he has now fa- uh, found all the left behind nuclear missiles on Earth, and he's been just kind of lobbing them at Mars in exchange for extortion. But the Mar but Mars is is poor, so they can't really pay. Uh, so Diane and his troopers are here to take down he, but the Martians are real bad at fighting and only like <laughs> six or seven dudes are left to fight. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Earth has become that, um, you know, barrel full of rats that like, um, that guy talked about that James Bond movie, basically. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Angelina reveals the message. They have 2.3 days before he leaves Earth, leaving behind a massive bomb that will destroy the planet. Mind you, this timeline changes frequently in the next few pages. <laughs> I can't stress enough that, yeah, it's 2.3 days before he leaves and the 2.9 before Earth is destroyed. So basically, that just means that they can't wait for reinforcements of Martian troops. So, Jim, Angelina, Diane, and Diane's dudes are flying via grav shoot into He's Fortress by having, like, Jim use the shoot, which basically just lets him fly, I guess. And then yep. everybody else hanging from a rope ladder that he's holding onto below him, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it's, like, a really weird picture. Yeah. Guess what? It doesn't really work. It works for a while, but eventually they end up crashing into the building, like, through a big skylight, and it's fighting time! Oh, yeah. Pretty good action here. Angelina takes out some snipers. A dude gets eaten by deadly plants and, like, so on. Eventually. Grubbles are grubble. (laughs) Eventually, they reach he and Jim tosses a a powerful explosive at him. But it's no use because this is just another fake. It's 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 a hologram and it's a gloating hologram, too, explaining that in one hour, all of Earth will be destroyed. So not 2.3 days. Nope. Now it is it's a couple up. hours. Yeah. So with one hour to Earth, destruct, to Earth destruction and as he's hologram disappears, a brand new time helix suddenly up, suddenly appears. It's a setup from the future Bill and Ted style. It, it's actually exactly Bill and Ted style yeah. because he's like, if only a time helix appeared out of thin air, it does. And then, oh, look, all of the answers to our current problems. Yeah, because it's also got an audio recording just full of ways to save the day, basically. (laughs) Um, It's got a a message for how to disarm the bombs, at least for like a while, which will allow the Martians to escape. Um, And since most of humanity is on Mars anyway, the destruction of Earth really isn't a big deal. Uh, Jim makes sure they've got the spelling of his name right for the statues and memorials they'll eventually build to him. 
And uh, there's one thing I know about 2000 AD: the statues are important. Absolutely. Hey, man, I'm always I'm always interested in making sure my statue's name is spelled correctly. I got a complicated last name. Um, Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> so Jim and Angelina return to the year 30,000 just in time to get Koi Poo to set up all the stuff that just happened, which was yeah. pretty funny. Um, so this apparently completes a time loop. I guess he is headed back to the 20th century where Jim Jim will stop him again. And And a lot of words happen about that. Basically, he is now stuck in a time paradox, so victory! Yay, Um, (laughs) he can't really escape, I guess, whatever. I can't stress that you don't have to think about it that much. Meanwhile... (laughs) Hey, and, look, it's the twins. Yeah, Angelina returns with their kids, James and Bolivar, which, by the way, the stainless steel rat's name is James Bolivar de Grizz, so he named his kids James and Bolivar? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he's obviously obsessed with himself, might as well make his children little, I wonder if little they're, tiny versions. Yeah, if they're both junior, like, is Bolivar de Grizz Jr., uh, or is, is he Bolivar de Grizz Jr. too? Anyhow. Um, All I'm saying is I know why they didn't take... Angelina's male name for one of them because no boy in this comic should be called Angel. Oh, oh call back. <laughs> so fuck. The the kids are 5 years old now um just because of weird stuff with the time stream basically. Um when the boss of Special Corps Inskip shows up with all the accounting stuff that Jim has to deal with. <laughs> the uh, the twin <laughs> the twins beat him up and steal his watch and wallet which is to be expected. Ugh. With their crime kids in tow, our lovely couple of space criminals heads off into the sunset. To do some crimes. Absolutely. Yeah. The stainless steel rat will return, but not until 1984 with the stainless steel rat runs for president. Oh, that's awesome. Really? Yeah, it's going to be good. That's perfect. Why not? I'll, I'll, I'll spoil you a little bit and say that by then the uh, the kids will have grown up and they'll be like teenagers for that and stuff. It's going to be a very oh. I- uh, interesting setup. Perfect. Well, that's exciting. I'm a, God, I really love stainless steel rat. <laughs> I mean, this was weird because it was just like, ah, oh, whatever. There's so much time travel stuff. Yo, there's like, you know, I read the books when I was, I read a bunch of the books when I was a kid. There's like 14 of them and they're all like on Kindle and stuff. Definitely worth worth a look. Also, this one's a bummer. To, like, I want to say the stainless steel rat. I liked it a lot too. It's a real bummer that I feel like this is one of the few things we've read that doesn't have a full like collector edition. Like, you can't like go on Rebellion oh, yeah. and get a uh, a graphic novel of all of these um, stories, probably for licensing reasons or something like that. Yeah. But you know. I would it's, imagine so. Yeah, it's definitely a shame because these are just sort of fun, bouncy, like sci-fi action stories, you know. And anything that ends with, uh, I mean, I guess it's not an homage, but a Bill and Ted-esque experience gets some points from me. They definitely do all the fun, like, you know, both, all the all the 2080 time travel stuff usually does the fun stuff you want to see with time travel. <laughs> You know, yeah. and then when it gets complicated, it's just like whatever. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of hand, you know, a lot of fun stuff followed by hand waving. That's the key. Episode one hundred and twenty-two, Progs three hundred and ninety-one to three hundred and ninety-four, November and December nineteen eighty-four. Thrill six: The stainless steel rat runs for president. That is what I'm talking. Oh no! It's it's comical at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Say that's what I'm talking about (laughs) enthusiastically again, please.
That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. Uh, script robot is Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot Cal- Carlos Escarra. Letting robot Jack Potter. Okay, Fox. It's the far future. Things are pretty good. Uh, the only criminals are people who really want to break the law. And because of that, they're really good at doing it. Example, Slippery Jim DeGriz and his, a- and his wife Angelina, the stainless steel rats. Ah, yeah. Yeah. He's about to enter one of the oldest of criminal rackets, Vox. Of course, politics. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Jim and Angelina, it's funny. We just open up with them eating a fancy dinner when some cops show up. But rather than discuss what they want, uh, Jim just hits the lead cop with some sleeping gas and dives out the window. Like, oh, I've gone to kill myself, dear. Have a pleasant evening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Every, oh God, just all of this. Just all of it. You'll just, know because yeah. he'll explain it. The level of banter between Jim and Angelina is fantastic. It's really I great. They are clearly husband and wife and are totally into each other. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, he escapes, uh, you know, super droll. Later, Jim arrives back at their safe house, but the cops are there too. It's like, ah, oh, betrayal! <laughs> 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 they're investigating a murder it's the first one on their planet in 113 years and um he's a person of interest because the murder victim left a note poorly spelled addressed to the stainless steel rat um so jim checks it out he calls in special corps like the uh the police the uh, interstellar police organization he's nominally a part of to uh, help him investigate it um but before they can give the the info to the rats they want uh, the return of the seven hundred and fifty or seventy five thousand credits they've stolen from the core previously. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Angelina seems to just have that much lying around, so that's cool. Um, and the message comes in: this guy was from the planet Periasso Aki, um, and they should head out there and check it out. Special core orders. Hey, why not? Yeah, they might as well leave because. Between the, that murder and some recent robbery of 75,000 uh, 75, credits by a masked woman, this place is really going to the dogs. Or at least oh. to the rats. Woo! Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the rats arrive on Periasso Aki. They find it a bustling hive of corruption, oppression, and tourism, like so many tourist dives. Uh, hey, or tourist places. Uh, Slipper Jim noses about. He like goes to a bookstore and finds a history book, um, and which has like a note from the resistance in it, basically. Um, but then is also immediately uh, uh, collared by a cop, so it might be a trap. But who knows? What is <laughs> what is important is that Jim's cover is super blown. Oh my back, god! Yeah, back at the hotel, they ponder going to an offered meet. Um, as they do, Angelina takes down a horde of cops when they barge in as Jim escapes. <laughs> so great. Because remember, Angelina's the muscle in this group. Like, he can't stress that enough. You know, Jim's just it's, sort of is the is the brains and she's the muscle, basically. Which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. She'll rip out your trachea. Oh, my gosh. She'll mess you up. Um, yeah. So Angelina sort of goes to the meat off screen and learns about all the oppression and torture and corruption on the planet, um, which he tells Jim over breakfast, at which point... They are all brought in by the secret police. And uh, so Jim makes a scene at the tourist spot, basically, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, basically saying like, oh, my God, call the embassy. They're taking me away and all this yeah. stuff. So the secret police agree to not like take him in if he leaves the planet right away, which means that we are, we, we've got two planetary de- uh, deportations this episode, which is pretty funny. Um, 
Um, and they basically head out, but man, these cops won't be pleased when they return. Next time, a plague of rats. <laughs> I love these Stan Steel Rat stories. This is the last one. Um, and I just love how it's just sort of yeah. jumping jumping in on the action. You know, you got these characters yes. that are real fun. Yes. And they just kind of have this, like, banter constantly. You can tell they, like, ha- have, like, uh, an amazing amount of chemistry, which is something we don't really see a lot yeah. in comics, you know? But that exactly. um, makes them real fun. And, um, yeah, and just sort of the idea that it was like, yeah, like, listen, you know, these guys don't sweat the small stuff. They sort of jump in and start doing things and sort of don't let, like, concerns slow them down. And I appreciate that as part of the Chemistry is, is equally the amount of what is said as to what isn't said, right? Mm. Like... And I think that uh, a lot of the brevity that they kind of treat the situations with and, and their communication with each other, it's like, it's funny, it's quippy, it's great. But the thing I want to point out to, and the biggest star of this entire, uh, uh, you know, two issues, mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, just her constant costume changes into something even more sexy than the last Oh, time. yeah. No, yeah, that's an important point, which is that... Uh, Carlos Escarage, like, you know, as much as he's totally drawing Jim DeGriz as this kind of, like, smooth sci-fi James Coburn, he's also drawing um, Angelina as sexy as hell constantly. It's awesome. <laughs> she is changing clothes nonstop. It's yeah. great. Ton of, of uh, sexy sci-fi outfits. It's good times. Good time. Episode 123. Progs 395 to 398. December 1984. Through one, the stainless steel rat runs for president. I just love this comic. I love their family. I love their dynamic. I love everything about it. Definitely, yeah. Uh, script robot Kelvin Gosnell, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Jack Potter. So uh, the DeGriz clan is on their way back to Periaso Aki. Um, in this case, it's uh, Jim and Angelina accompanied by their sons, James and Bolivar, who have now grown up to teenagers since the last time we saw them. They were just like little, like I think like four or six-year-olds maybe. Exactly. And they're using this as like a training thing. It's like, first, know your enemy. Ma's mm-hmm. going to put together a briefing. Like they're <laughs> teaching them how to shake down an entire planet. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we learn about the president for life, Julio uh, Zapilote, who is 300 years old and evil as heck. Um, I mean, and definitely voted in by the people for the people. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's won by landslides for the past uh, 200 years or so. Um, Seems legit. So, how Totally legit, buddy. Um, <laughs> so they make their drop onto the planet using grav shoots from suborbital uh, flyby. They land. I love grab shoots. It's cool, man. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, stainless steel rat used a lot of them. Uh, they mm-hmm. land, unload their sweet atomic powered roadster, oh, and um, disguised as a duke and duchess with the kids disguised as servants, they go flying in to meet the revolutionary contact Jorge. Man, they've got an atomic power unit. They've got lasers. They've got gun positions. They've got armor plates. They got radar and apparently mortars. Yeah, man, they got, you know, it's a standard sort of like a James Bond kind of supercar thing going on here. Um, I mean, feels like it's ready for war. <laughs> definitely. So they talk to Jorge. After some quick questioning, he's on board and they head out to meet his fourth cousin, the nobleman Gonzalez de Torres. Doing so will, of course, require blasting through a barrier, which is easy work for the well-armed roadster. But as they blast, a cop falls under the tires of the car. Jim goes to move him because he doesn't like killing Uh, people, of course. Yeah. 
But instead, he gets caught in a huge explosion. Oh, God, why did he get out of the car? Seems like a bad idea. Just yeah. move around the guy. You're, you're totally right. But anyhow, Fox, no one kills my husband but me. Uh, Angelina <laughs> barges out and goes kill crazy on everybody else until Jim is recovered. He's injured but still alive. So they do. One some guy lo- saved, all his friends dead. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Jim act. So they do some roadside surgery, and uh, Jim sets up this uh, molecular extractor, which can shrink and unshrink things by removing most of their molecules. It's a very sort of like a Dragon Ball Z uh, capsule tech corporation kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, awesome. It's uh, shrink it to the size of the toy or blow it up to the size of a whatever, but this this thing no longer shoots plastic missiles, it just shoots regular ones. That's right. So they set up a tissue regenerator, and Jim swiftly heals from that um, to sort of back up to full, basically, in the course of a, of a, of a couple hours. Um, I like that his wheelchair looks like, uh, you know, that one admiral in Star Trek. Yeah, uh, Pike. Pike, um, yeah, Commander Pike. Yeah, so they uh, so they head over to the uh, estate of Gonzalez de Torres, um, where the uh, de Grizz family finds the Marquis a a willing revolutionary member, but uh, a war for control of the of the planet would be impossible, especially because all the military forces are fully mobilized because of the upcoming election. Oh, Wait yeah, a make... minute, <laughs> <laughs> election, election, of course. Um, yeah, so listen, man, they, uh, a plan quickly forms. If the election's gonna be rigged anyway, why don't we just rig it so that we win? Seems fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Slippery Jim puts on a sweet mustache and becomes oh Sir God. Hector Harapo, candidate That's for president. Like- this is like the uh, Clark Kent of mustaches. Suddenly, no one notices who you no, are. No, he's a whole new guy because he got a big old mustache. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, Gonzalez will be his vice president. But today's the last day to register to become a presidential candidate. So what do they do? The answer, of course, is get in a helicopter and make a mad dash for the presidential palace. They I make mean, a, who cares if we get shot down? <laughs> nah, whatever. It's all, good, all in good fun. They make a drop at the uh, at the courtyard, and now it's time to register if they survive. <laughs> so Jim and the Duke go and begin the election paperwork, but not before President uh, Zappa, Zappalote comes by and like yells at them, essentially. But all he really Which do- seems yeah. ineffectual. Yeah, he reprimands them, and all he does is really break his hand on Slippery Jim's face, essentially. <laughs> Which is great. He's just super genetically whatever, but I guess that just means frail bones. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, he's 300, so he's pretty frail generally. Um, That's fair. The president then loans them a car to, like, head home. And uh, it's pretty nice, and they're ready to go after they do a sweep and find the three bombs attached to it in various places. (laughs) Um, At the airfield, they find their chopper and the pilot. The chopper's been destroyed, and the pirates, um, the pilot killed, and this makes the Duke sort of, uh, you know, declare uh, vengeance, basically. Um, Vengeance is great. I love vengeance. Very interesting revenge, as always. Um, yeah. so they go ahead, they, so, and then they come under attack from more guards. They escape until a attack helicopter confronts them. The Duke is shot, um, during the, uh, the DeGriz boys doing a, a diversionary tactic. Um, but they're still able to overcome them. They steal the chopper and, uh, James and Bolivar and the Duke fly off as Jim does the unexpected, which is head in to make connections with the local underworld. Hey man, if there's one thing you can do to shake police, it's go to the seediest part of town. That's right. And that's where rats, I guess, rats. Yeah, that's where they congregate. 
Um, so Jim finds his way to a seedy motel and swiftly finds himself in the middle of a poker game with some card sharps and stuff. Um, he starts talking politics as they fleece him and suddenly they pull guns on him because they've like surreptitiously searched his bag and found three guns in it, basically. <laughs> um, luckily, he's also got one up his sleeve. So he knocks out two of them and then talks to the final crook, you know, use like a knockout gun, basically. Um, mm. And like brings him in on the job, you know, like, hey, like we're all crooks, like come work for me. He yeah, asks, we're going to crook the fuck out of this government. That's right. All of us together. Yeah. He asks the card sharp to join his political party, the uh, the, pez, the nobles, workers, and peasants party, which I like. It's just got, got everything in it, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, so he asks the, uh, the crook to go, like, to take a bunch of cash and rent a stadium. But when that money isn't enough, he then just, Jim just walks out, just robs a bank because no one's actually used <laughs> to people doing crimes. <laughs> In the future, you know? So That's great. He's just like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I'm robbing this bank. Like, you could do that? Like, yeah, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Let's just, uh, you know, look, here's how it goes. You give me the money and I don't shoot you and everything's great. And then we just leave and you tell people about and the, it. And the crooks are like, whoa, this is amazing. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Jim goes to, so Jim needs to send a message back to his family at the castle and stuff. To do that, he's got to find basically another castle because they all have like an auto semaphore to talk to each other. Um, mm. so he's go, he goes to break into a castle, um, as President Zapo, uh, Zapolote is, of course, ordering harsh, uh, punishments all over the, all over the countryside to sort of like take him out or like discourage what he's doing and stuff. Seems to be completely worthless. And it's just true. framing him as bad guy villainry. Definitely, yes. Definitely bringing his own villainy into stark, um, into stark relief. Um, so mm. Jim goes to break into the castle, but the door is locked and he's stuck in a bad situation. He'll have to pick this lock super fast or get caught. Next time on the Stainless Steel Rat, a narrow squeak. It's That's the most adorable name for the next thing. Oh my God, I love this story. I love this story. Conrad. It's fun, yeah. Uh, God, it's just so fast. I do, yeah, and I do really like that. You know, I'm not reading them all, but definitely all of the uh, all the next time speakers things all have like rat puns and stuff like that, which is also pretty fun. (laughs) That's true, but yeah, I I really love the noble workers and peasants party. By the way, yeah, and I and you know this is the standard sort of thing we see with the stainless steel rat, where it's just very yeah, like the action goes real fast. They sort of go on, you know, like they sort of, they have obstacles, but he's able to overcome them pretty easily, you know? I mean, he's um, James uh, DeGriz. Yeah, so he's and, got but, no yeah he, he overcomes them easily because of his skill that you sort of recognize that he kind of like knows how to do things or is willing to like think his way around corners or plan ahead or something. So, you know, it still makes him sort of a character that you're interested in that you kind of want to follow yeah, along exactly. as he does things. Well, and it's it's always funny. Like the yeah. like we said last time, you know, it's it's how he plays off other characters. It's not just like, oh, I've got the secret MacGuffin or whatever. Uh, you actually don't pay attention. At least I, I I, realize there's a bunch of like, oh, hand wave, we just get through this sort of stuff. You don't end up noticing it because he's just really charming. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, like the humor and the charm of these characters really like k- takes them a long way. And I appreciate the, the, the way they do it, you know? Uh, it's so great. Episode 125. Progs 399 to 402. January 1985. Thrill 1. The stainless steel rat runs for president. Did I ever mention how much I love Carlos Escara drawing anything? 
I mean, I feel like it comes up now and then, to be honest. Um, I love how he draws wrinkly, evil uh, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say that, yeah, the way he draws, like, a, a Zapolote is really great in this comic. Um, and yeah, I mean, he is, like, 300 years old, and he makes him look 300 years old. He puts a lot of wear on the character, and I feel like that works both when you're doing... Like, uh, evil space dictators, or when you're doing, like, evil space mutants, you know, it's just good Ascara stuff. Or, uh, evil, mm-hmm. like, uh, apocalypse bent, um, Sov, uh, you know? Oh, man. So, uh, script robot for stainless steel rat room furniture president is Coven Gosnell, with a book by Harry Harrison, of course. Art robot colors Ascara, letting robot Jack Potter. Um, so the brutal repressive president Zapatole, sorry, Zapatole of, uh, Periaso Aki is cracking down on dissidents as slippery Jim Degrees is let into the side door of the estate of a nobleman. Just, just in case you were wondering how evil he is, it's his giant head, uh, cut across a man going through what I think is just the tread of a tank while people get yeah. shot and burned to death at the same time, which Definitely. just seems like overkill. Good, uh, good oppressive state montage stuff here. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> we, uh, uh, J- Jim uses the noble semaphore system to contact his family. The nobleman <laughs> offers to aid his cause and will let Jim blend in with a tourist group that, uh, when one visits his escape, his estate to let him escape. This guy really wanted to kill that guy. Just pulls out the... Yeah. I will kill him. Yeah. Jim's like, hey, listen, like, there's no reason to like kill people. We can just sort of work things... <laughs> like, I, I can just sort of sneak around. I'm sneaky. Um, <laughs> it's real good. He, uh, he swaps clothes with some dude, and he uh, sort of heads his way out. Um, later, he meets... He, you know, blending and stuff like that. Later, he meets with his, uh, he goes to meet his revolutionary contact, Jorge, only to see Jorge being dragged out by the guards. Oh, Jim God, does some, and then Judo cracks him in the face with a chop. Yeah, well, he does some quick drunken boxing, like pretending to be drunk and then beating guys up, basically. Um, they then hijack a tourist helicopter to get back to the castle. Back there, it appears Angelina's been doing some research, finding. Oh, my God. She's found this ancient book. <laughs> Called How to Rig Elections by Sam Fox, which, Mad um, respect. yeah, I tried to look up to see if this is a real book, Fox, and you'll be interested to know that here in uh, North America in the year 2018, the word rigged elections and Fox brings up a whole different cloud of search results than it might have in like 2014. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I might be on a list now also. But anyhow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I looked up Area 51 today. I think we're all pretty equal. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> anyhow, this election's in the bag, uh, Fox. Cheers to Sam Fox and President Zabalote, because yes. they're both going to help them win. <laughs> I'm going to write a book called How to Rig Elections. <laughs> Do it. Publish it in the future, buddy. It's time. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> First name's not Sam. I could, I could make that work, pal. It's... I feel like I've heard worse pen names than, you know, just like Sam Fox. <laughs> it's because I'm a real patriot. I'm, I'm Uncle Sam Fox. How to rig elections. Okay, anyway. So we're getting away yeah. in airplanes. Yeah. So uh, Jim has a plan. They'll help Zapatole rig the election and make it the most rigged election ever, which is pretty cool. <laughs> 
Um, a few days and a lot of planning later, the family piles into a couple helicopters to head out. There's a massive aerial dogfight in the sky. Sure, they why make not? it through. Much to Jim's dismay, they're forced to uh, kill a couple enemy pilots and stuff. It's basically them or you know Dude, us or they them. They were gonna kill his kid, and so he's just like, nope. Yeah, he's like, I but gotta I cross. Got to cross that line. Um, they arrive at the Capitol for a big parade and rally, and when the police tries to stop them, Angelina makes the, uh, takes out most of them with sleeping gas, campaign badges, and disarms the rest, which is pretty cool. It's, it's really great. Uh, I love this whole sequence of just, like, she's going around in the background, like, here's a badge, I have a badge, and you're like, what the fuck's going on? And suddenly, sleep gas! <laughs> Yes, is always the best kind of surprise. Totally. Uh, the parade continues. Things go bad as there's a sniper on a rooftop that gets Jim in his sights and opens fire. I think we got a thing to deal with this, right? Like yeah. Some kind. I mean, it's a specific thing that works because Jim's got a force field all around the presidential limo. I mean, it'd be idiotic not to, right? Um, <laughs> it's like a it's like a pope bubble, but you can't see it. Yeah, invisible pope bubble. It slows down the bullet. He's able to like just pluck it out of the air, basically. Um, and then Angelina is able to quickly confront the assassin and kick him out the window, where he too is saved by the car's force field. It like breaks his fall, basically. Hot and awesome Angelina kicked the dude out of a goddamn window. Good times. At the stadium, the rally begins. The local cops have been frightened away because at least one of them has been uh, stripped naked and tied up. And just sort of been made the object of fun by the local townsfolks. And then instead of getting giving a rousing speech, he just has like an emotional like manipulator just built into the stadium. I mean, I'm sure his, I'm sure his speech is fine. It's just helped by the fact they're giving everybody free booze, and then he's got a bunch of uh, subsonic emotional manipulators that he can press a button and bring about people's emotions. I like that <laughs> there's anger, depression, and happy, but he never presses the depression button. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, those are that's less fun when you're looking at the rally, you know, <laughs> like that's whatever fair. else. I, I'm just saying the technicians could have had like a better spectrum. It's true. Um, you know, you only need so many emotions for rallies. That's what I think, you know. Um, <laughs> I would have had, like, the rabid uh, riot button or something, just in case. No, that's just bad. That's bad press. You don't want to accidentally press that one. You know, so the rally goes good, but one rally isn't enough to sway a planet, so it's time to go to step two. Or maybe this is step three? I don't know. But um, time to go to the Profit next... comes in somewhere. Yeah, next step. The DeGriz family rides in an ambulance to a spaceship that's about to take off, and they hijack it using that uh, gas that makes you act like a dog that we've seen in previous uh, stainless steel rat stories. Yes, it's so excellent. Everybody's a dog. That's right. Oh, you've been infected. Get on the get on your knees and bark like a dog. Um, It's also also Angelina, very nice nurse outfit. I feel like we all got to take a minute for that. Um, I mean, we all did. God. Just everything he draws her in is just so spectacular. God, Space Spinner 2000's been so skeezy recently. Anyway, um... I mean, we can't can't help but comment on what we're given, man. Indeed. uh, The ship is taken over and the DeGriz family travels into orbit where they sort of travel through outer space around the planet, swapping out key parts of all the planet's communication satellites. Soon they're in control, but not before a couple nuclear missiles are headed their way. Only fair. They try to dodge, but it's no good, and soon the whole family is crashing to the planet at Mach 2223. 
I mean, how are we going to deal with this? My son is the best pilot ever, but he doesn't know how to deal with things from the future, so I got to give him a past solution. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he's so far in the future, he doesn't remember the past solution, which is that this plane actually has wings and they could like glide to safety. It's weird. Hey, it's, why not? Yeah. It actually works, and the, the Grizz family is able to land on the highway into the capital. Unfortunately, a giant spaceship crashing down on a major highway is pretty noticeable, and so they get attacked by uh, (laughs) Zapolote's goons, and the rats return fire. Eventually, Jim, uh, Slippery Jim pops a smoke grenade, and they all scatter. They meet back at the castle of the Duke, who's like, you know, the the vice president candidate and stuff. Um, It's pretty funny because Jim comes rolling in on, like, a burrow, but... (laughs) Angelina shows up in the tank that was giving them problems when they split in the first place, which is really I mean, pretty of great. Course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it turns out that uh, one of the boys, uh, Bolivar, has not returned, and it's confirmed that he is in jail. Well, I mean, that's not going to stand when you're definitely running for super president. I mean, you know, you've got to take care of your kids first. So Jim puts a plan into action. He takes a shower, takes some painkillers. <laughs> Get some polymer splayed on it, sprayed on his ribs, and some special stuff painted on his nails, and he turns himself in to Zapatole. Who seems pretty happy about all that stuff. Now like, he, again. yeah, yeah, now he will not only lose the election, but his life very slowly. He's, uh, in case you're wondering, kind of, he's probably evil. Yep. Next time, Rat on the Rack. Oh, man, I wonder if he will be on a rack at some point. I mean, probably not. <laughs> just does make sense. Maybe, like, maybe they're, like, they're just going to make him really wet and then have to, like, dry him out. So they'll put him on a drying rack or something. <laughs> that feels yeah, right. You think so? Yeah. Man, oh, man. This I is fun stuff, though, yeah. Rat. Yeah, man, it's so great. I love, um, I love it when, I mean, I guess it wasn't true for 401 and 402, but... I love that Stainless Steel Rat has been starting out uh, the progs because mm-hmm. it's just a real good opener for just like laughs and fun and just like, yeah, I'm into this, only to end in like depressing misery and death. Well, like, so. uh, or more just like fun cliffhangers, I guess. Yeah, like I agree yeah. that, you know, all, every time we've talked about the Stainless Steel Rat and all the previous versions too, we've always just talked about how it's just kind of this like fun, breezy story of like with a lot of action and like humor and stuff. Um, you know, one thing I think is interesting with this one is that we're doing this real long-term plan. Like they sort of like, they sort of figure out what they're going to do in like 399. And then mm. we, you know, we don't really know the details of the plan of like, you know, what it means that, that, uh, Zapatola is going to help them win the election and stuff. You know, that they're, they're sort of ho- keeping that close to the vest. So I think it's going to be fun to, uh, to see how the plan you, actually works out. Do you, you think know? that's good or bad? Um, for the comic. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's a good way to tell a story of just having this, like, you know, there. I think it's good to know there is a plan and then wait till the end to kind of reveal it all. I mean, that's a very, like, sort of, like, heist or con uh, movie kind of kind of story. Like, you know, like, like, oh, like I always think of, like, Ocean's Eleven or something where you don't really know the exact details of all the stuff they're doing, like, like why they're doing all that stuff until the very end when it all comes together, you know? Take I a like, page, Slade. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's maybe a different, a little different with Sam Slade, where there's sort of sure. like, like I, where it's different yeah. when it's when it's a when it's a detective who is trying to solve a case as opposed to a criminal who is sort of doing a crime, I guess. Like, well, 
you kind of yes. like it's no like if basically the I feel like the way you you have to tell these stories is you have to either lay the plan out in detail first and then things are going to go terribly wrong and you have to do a different plan or you don't tell people the plan and then the reader sort of sees it sees the plan coming into focus as it's being carried out basically I guess I guess like the reason I asked the question is that like as you're you're kind of doing this prog by prog, right? Like a yeah. good cliffhanger is that you're you're bought in yeah. to something that happened sort of previously. Mm-hmm. And my my big thing about like other funny um uh you know thrills mm-hmm. at least like in recent memory, like why I love stainless steel rat is in fact because you're not told everything, which is what yeah. makes it just like a fun slide with a bunch of twists and turns you're like oh there's a twist coming up but it's gonna i don't know how fun it's gonna be right oh this one was really fun even if it was really short or whoa that was a loop-de-loop or some shit and then you finally splash down into a pool and you're like god i can't wait to like climb up and wait in line and go down that that water slide again (laughs) um when the when the next sort of stainless steel rat comes out right like that's yeah. what I want to look forward to in a fun prog and and or in a fun thrill, and this is this is kind of exactly that. Sure, um, absolutely. I I I believe you said this is the last, right? Like we're not going to have any more. Yeah, this is the, this is the last uh, thrill for the stainless steel Raptors. Yeah, they do three, so this is the final which, one, which I'm pretty okay with. You know, um, yeah. I think like that's yeah. that's at that point where it's like, hey, you know, comedy comes in threes, kind of thing. Definitely, you know, just let it just let it play itself out and. Uh, Man, I'm just enjoying this slide so much. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I will say, and I've, I mean, and we've said this before, but if you like this comic, then you might, then you should check out the books too, because they're written in a very yes. similar format and stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. Episode 126, Progs 403 to 406, February 1985. Thrill 4, the stainless steel rat. Yes. Runs for president. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got it. Nailed it, man. Doing my best. Uh, script about Kelvin Gosnell. Art about Carlos Scare. Letting her about Jack Potter. Uh, oh, man. You know, DeGriz just does not give a shit about this torture. And it. It's great, man. Well, we, 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 we saw him prepping for it at the end of uh, last episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, so Slippery Jim DeGriz has given himself over to Zapatole, the president of Periasoa Key. To be tortured, basically. Or, you know, he's basically given himself over in a bid to uh, save his son who's been taken mm. um, hostage and stuff like that. Um, he, yeah, like you said, he's very um, non-bothered by these tortures. Um, <laughs> like, he's just kind of <laughs> laughing his way through them, which is pretty great. Making like, great jokes. He's just, yeah, he's just totally like, like being like, oh, like, whatever. He uh, He drives the torturer to tears, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> Oh, he's just like, I can't do anything to him. Which is really funny. You know, I gave my life to this job and it like really, you know, I went to torture school and everything and just nothing's working. <laughs> it's it's awesome. And so um eventually he's taken to uh Zapatole's um like you know, to be ta- he's he, he's taken to the president to be to be yelled at essentially. Um <laughs> But when he does, he uh, he warns him of an attempt on his life and the, and, and Zepatole is like, what? You must tell me. And as he does, uh, Jim gets free and scratches him on the face with his fingernails, which, which ooh, yeah, have been, virus. they've been dosed by some sort of thing. And, um, 
he immediately, you know, Zapatoli's like, what, what have you done? Oh no. <laughs> and immediately like sort of in exchange for an antidote, lets Jim and Bolivar go. Although it's, Hooray. yeah, but, uh, Slippery Jim quickly admits that actually it was just a virus to uh, make him feel bad for like instantly so that he would let them go. He didn't, you know, he doesn't like to kill people and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was like in four hours it would have cleared up anyway. Yeah. So meanwhile, Angelina uses the rats' control of the planet's airwaves, which we saw last time. They were like taking control of the satellites and stuff to rebut all news reports and basically wage an information <laughs> war against Zapatoy, which is pretty good. Real um, awesome. But and they've also called in the Galactic Press Corps to like cover the election, which they're hoping should mollify his attempts at dirty deeds. But not quite. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. Because the president has instead moved up the election. It's going to take place tomorrow, which won't give them enough time to do all the dirty tricks they have planned. So what are they going to do? Not even Slippery Jim knows. I guess we're just going to have to do this on the fly. Totally. Well, things go go bad when Rat HQ is nuked. Um, the next day, basically. Good thing for that force field. Yeah, they got the force field up, and that's fine. And then the boys are able to get up and uh, shoot down the other ships coming after them, so they can th- that to uh, head off a, a nerve agent attack, which they don't have shields for. <laughs> My God. Um, luckily, Jim has found an answer. They'll win by losing, judo style. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Jim heads out to vote with the, as the press sort of follows him doing it, and soon the results are in. In this district, the vote was Zapatole 5,312 and Jim 2, which means that he has, uh, in fact, over-rigged the election. <laughs> basically. Exactly. Never over-rigged, man. You got to look at make it look close. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough when you're a brutal dictator. You want to win by like a hundred percent of the vote, but you gotta win by like 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 ninety five percent just to leave enough room for error. That's my advice mm-hmm. to other dictators. Um, other what? Anyhow, <laughs> uh, the the election's clearly a fraud, and so um, Jim and so basically they declare it null and void. And they'll have the normal one in two weeks' time. The rats use that time to build their own election rigging system, <laughs> and which great, pretty good. We got to build like our own operating system for it. It's tough that he's got to find a Linux clone for it, I guess. Um, oh. But so. <laughs> And also they started to add some pomp and circumstance to it. So both um, both candidates sort of see the elections read in like the stadium, basically, mm-hmm. like in one room in it. As the results are read, the rat control TV announcer to, um, sort of gets fl- fl- flipped in and he announces Jim the winner. But just by two votes. Oh, oh my God. He starts to celebrate when he shot in the chest. <gasps> and we sort of shot ca- to the heart. And you're too late. You give democracy a bad name. Beautiful. <laughs> um, a week later, uh, De Torres, who was Jim's vice president and a noble guy, has declared the new president as a statue of mustachioed slippery Jim is unveiled. Zapatole sent Beautiful. for sent to prison for having murdered. Um, Harpo, which is, you know, uh, Slippery Jim's, um, alias here on the planet, on, on Periaso Aki. I mean, it's pretty damning evidence. <laughs> yeah. And the rats head for their spaceship, all alive and well. Um, you know, it, it's revealed that, uh, Jim, of course, faked his death and he's like, you know, been incognito as like a, a manservant kind of guy. The hey, fi- yeah, final conversation, like, oh, like you're assassin's bullet almost penetrated my bulletproof vest. Next time, I'll have to wear steel. 
Beautiful. The end of the stainless steel rat. Oh man, it was so good. I I'm, and this is the last of the last, right? Yeah, this is the this is the final stainless steel rat story. I should mention. I don't know if I I haven't said this every time, and that's a failing on my, on my part. You know, all these are based on the books by Harry Harrison that I remember mm. I read when I was a kid, and are really um really great sci-fi. You know, just sort of like fun sci-fi books, basically, kind of a harder sci-fi, good times. Um, yeah, man, I I love how just fun these comics are to read yeah definitely you know i feel like we always you know that's what we always talk about with these guys is just how they're kind of like light and breezy and like jim mm-hmm. has a plan but like because we don't know it it still feels fun to feel things unfold and you know mm-hmm. these characters are really likable and you just kind of want to hang out with them and see them kind of successfully <laughs> do crimes basically <laughs> Yeah, they just want to rob a bank sometimes or throw overthrow a dictator. Why not? Yeah, totally. So I yeah, this was um these have really been like joys and things I really look forward to. You know, I love as scares art. He gets to draw a lot of science fiction stuff. Gets to draw Angelina, who's very who's very pretty, and he does a really good job with mm-hmm. that. And just um with a uh, Jim as this kind of uh James Coburn in space kind of guy. You know, <laughs> hey, why not, man? I you know this is one of those things where it's like um you know with James. With a young James Coburn or just with the right actor, I would love to see movies of these of just kind of like, you know, oh, yeah. of just these sort of freewheeling con artists just kind of rolling their way through space doing sci-fi things. It'd feel like it'd be such like a like a Guardians of the Galaxy, like sort of sci-fi romp that would be a lot of fun and really like and be really great, you know? Right. Like a lighthearted uh, comedy adventure. Yeah, I should Remember say... Oh, Totally. I should say also this is the end of uh, Kelvin Gosnell's um, work as a writer in 2000 AD. You know, he was the uh, oh. he was the first regular editor of 2000 AD um, after uh, Pat Mills did the first one. He sort of took over for the first year or so. Um, and you know, like he hasn't he, he didn't do a ton of stuff, but you know, obviously his his editorial works all over the all over the Prague in the early mm. days, and he did all these stainless steel rat stories and was able to really boil them down into you know boil down like a regular sized novel into yeah. like a ten in, into like forty pages of comics per book and stuff that well, really just easy. no, and it just really felt yeah, and, and in a way makes you feel like you're getting a whole story, but it's very like you know. Yeah, it keeps moving and keeps being fun and stuff like that. So, yeah. all we'll that stuff. Stainless Steel Red and uh, Godspeed through the universe. Indeed, yeah. And, you know, I, I would, I would again, uh, strongly urge everybody to read the books, mm. man. They're good. Um, and there's like 12 of them. So, if you like, the, so if you like these three, then there's more that you don't know the plot for. And, um, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Was the Stainless Steel Red. <laughs> Of course, this is just the beginning of Carlos Escara's work in 2000 AD and of his use of the of uh, James Coburn as a character model. He'll go on to do much more. However, Rat for President is the final work in the prog by Kelvin Gosnell, who besides being the early editor of 2000 AD, also worked on quite a few Future Shocks and uh, Future Shock adjacent stories, as well as being the co-creator of Black Hawk, which will surely be collecting at some point in the future. It's inevitable, I think. Top stainless steel rat moments. We say it a ton, but the storytelling of Stainless Steel Rat is great. A big change from the rest of the prog, especially in the early days of the first two series. 
Um, I think the big difference is that while most stories at that time were designed to be episodic, but then lead to these sort of long running stories, like you have some episodic rogue troopers and that leads to rogue trooper just being a regular feature in the comic or whatever. Stainless Steel Rat's very much designed to show up, run for 12 progs, then end. And, you know, maybe they'll come back for another 12 progs for a different book, but it's very much starting with a stop in, in sight. And I think those sort of self-contained quick stories are ones that Fox and I really enjoy in the course of 2000 AD, be it early stuff like Stainless Steel Rat or things we've talked about more recently like Night Zero or something of that nature. Um, I'd say my favorite, like, overall section of Stainless Steel Rat, it's hard to pick, but I think one of them is Jim's first run at uh, Sida Nuvo right at the start of Stainless Steel Rat Part 1, where he just sort of breezes through all these defenses with the helpful, literal-minded robot. He makes people bark like a dog uncontrollably and stuff like that. It's just fun. Like, listen, I'm sh- I've shown up. I'm going to win instantly. It's going to be a lot of fun sort of action. <laughs> Generally, though, I still think my favorite thing might be to come. There's still nine more stainless steel rat novels that could be adapted. I mean, sure, not by Gosnell and Ascara, but I think that shorter works of genre fiction could be perfectly lovely in the pages of 2000 AD or some other comic. It doesn't just have to be like classic works of literature or brick-sized pop culture tentpole books that get made into comic form. Come on, give me Stainless Steel Rat Goes to Hell. Do it! (laughs) What do you think of Stainless Steel Rat? Light breezy action, as we say constantly? Uh, Silly god-moding reprobate stuff? What stories would you like to see adapted into a 2080 thrill? Let me know what you think by email at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. Everything else is spacespinner2000. You'll find us. And you can also find the show Space Spinner 2000. You're listening to it now on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Google Play Store on our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Thanks for listening to this collection. We'll be back soon with awesome 2000 AD action. Until then, I'm Conrad, and this has been the Space Spinner 2000 collection for the Stainless Steel Rat. Splendig Verthrig! Rig!